0: The Writer's Room, a 7th C podcast, is endorsed by Chaosium, Inc. For more information, visit www.chaosiuminc.com forward slash 7th C and use the code WRITER10 for 10% off your next site-wide purchase. Limit one per customer. Hello, friends. Come on and Take a load off. Chill out a bit. And welcome back. I don't have any announcements, so we're going to get right to it. Officer Raven, are all the poofs ready? Perfect. Officer Nightingale is assisting with tea, and Officers Stewart and Tarkin are, of course, making sure no dairy made it in here. You all know this is a dairy-free establishment. Officer Covington has informed me that all of the stuffies are ready for hugging. Officer Cheshire, making sure that door is nice and creaky every time it comes in, thank you very much. And I'd like all of you to welcome Officer Thrift. He is going to be making sure that our hearth is nice and tended, making sure that we don't cause any fires in here. We take fire safety very seriously after all the incidences in the bucket of blood, as I'm sure you all remember. Any hoozles? Officer V, the book, if you please. Thank you. Last we left off, there was an officers' meeting. We did a little bit of downtime. Tia found the apple, and Amboise asked to depart, to go to school. So I think, friends, we're going to pick up there. And if you're all ready and comfy and cozy, let's begin, shall we? <clears throat> <clears throat> Article 6. Be not afraid. The camera is in darkness. But slowly we hear a keening sound. Whispers of hundreds of voices, all talking at once. A scream. And it grows louder and louder. The camera seems to pass by a marble column, and on the other side of the column steps Amboise. The way is shut, and the screaming stops. A day.
1: Yes,
0: I would like you to describe the room that Amboise walks into, if you wouldn't mind.
1: So, as Amboise steps out of the ways, he is in a exceptionally large circular room. There are columns of stone all around the sides, various carvings and statues of what one might assume are important people, but the plaques that are on there, eh. Who has time to read them. The room itself is lit by a central pane of glass up in the ceiling that, if one was to follow, would lead to a series of glass stones set into the road, and as the light pours down from there, it hits a series of mirrors that illuminates the entire room. There are sconces and such, but they are not lit currently. As he's stepping out, his hand is against a very large globe that's resting in the center of the chamber. One can see various people, nondescript, walking around as he comes through. People kind of take notice, but not really, as everyone has gotten incredibly used to the wailing, screaming sounds that frequently fill the chamber. At the same time, the chamber is set up in such a way that the acoustics of it hide the sound from the surface, although it is incredibly far underground. Very akin to the French catacombs, if one would think. Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. Love that. Standing a bit off to your left, there is that man again. That Montaigne noble that passed you the letter at the ball. He looks up as the world screams, and there's a look of acknowledgement on his face as you step through. And he waits patiently, but he does catch your eye and flag you, as if to say, hey... Over here.
1: Désolé, monsieur. I apologize for my lateness.
0: You understand that time works differently here. We don't much care about lateness.
1: Yes, but you have business to attend to every day, I understand. Taking your time is something that I try to do as little as possible.
0: I appreciate that, monsieur. Now, I believe that we have a mutual contact, oui? Indeed. And then I shall not delay any longer, and he holds out a chalk tablet.
1: Well, it would seem that we both had the exact same idea. This is good. And Ambroise holds out a chalk tablet.
0: Passes it over and reads it very briefly. Just kind of skims it over to see if there's any damning evidence or anything that would otherwise oust him specifically. We. This will do just fine.
1: Now, would you prefer to... um? Pass back and forth, or would you prefer to meet here?
0: It may become more difficult for me to step away, as it were. I believe there is a bit of a civil war on the horizon in Castile at the moment. Oh.
1: <laughs> Zutalor. Okay.
0: Oui. The king's attendant is a spitfire of sorts. <laughs>
1: Not surprising in the slightest.
0: I am both interested and slightly concerned for the events that may or may not unfold in the next following weeks. But it would be more beneficial for me if I marked a desk of sorts in my chambers and we passed through that way.
1: That would be simple enough.
0: In order to open that mark for you and for him to open the mark to exchange the letters what you're going to have to do is mark the tablet and then he and you have to mark the drawer so that they're both connected to that place. Ah, okay. So that when he opens the drawer and puts the tablet in and then closes the drawer, if anyone were to open the drawer right after that the tablet wouldn't be there anymore. It would be in whatever drawer is marked on your side. Got it. It's like one of those bank teller things where, like, if you close the drawer, it's gone. There's nothing there anymore.
1: I love that. That's cool. And we want that as a minor mark? Minor mark, yes. Okay. In that case, we're using two minor marks then? One for the tablet, one for the drawer? Yes. Okay. So to make that work, I will drop the mark that is on one of the three ATC Coat Pocket things that I had. Okay, so you only have two now? Yep. One of which is still Charlotte. Who oh boy.
2: Just out of curiosity, are you close to like tapped out, Ben
1: So we currently have Minor Marks on his rapier, his second rapier, his pocket watch, one ATC Coat Pocket, Charlotte's ATC Coat Pocket, the stone that's in the sandoval carriage, and then Major Marks, the thorn, the school, and Coraline's storehouse. Mm-hmm. We are out of Minor Marks we still have two major marks. Wow.
0: Love that. Damn. Monsieur Veru Toussaint takes out a small dagger, pricks his middle finger and begins to well a bit of blood and also makes a small cut close to the indent of his elbow and extends it out for you to shake. In this moment, he will be exchanging blood with you in order to make the connection to pass between the marks. Le chemin est tracé, Monsieur
1: Pendragon. And seeing this somewhat familiar process, which Amboise has done with Veru on multiple occasions, not too many, but a few, he will take out a knife of his own, prick his middle finger, make a similar cut at the area below the indent of his elbow, and move in for an arm clasp. You now
0: have a drawer in the castle in Castile to send messages through chalk tablet. After that exchange, looks at you and has a little bit of a serious face on. Has there been any trouble with the silver handed one?
1: <laughs> trouble is putting it lightly. See, I do not know what we have brought upon our ship. But I do not like it, and I want to get rid of it as fast as possible.
0: That would be beneficial for not only you, personally, but for you as a sorcier. For the longer that she is out, the worse it is going to get.
1: Well, if we do not find a simple way to deal with it, I am looking into a more drastic measure.
0: I trust your judgment, although I do uh, advise caution.
1: <laughs> when have I ever not used caution? Oh, okay, not that time. <laughs> he's he j- he's
3: just about to open his mouth and say something and then closes it again with it.
1: <laughs> to be fair, that one was not my fault.
0: <laughs> C'est, C'est more. I will pass on the message. There
1: will be a response,
0: I would say, judging off of the context of the message,
1: uh, every hour, if not every 30 minutes. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> Only so much song. Only so much. <laughs> While I do understand that they are in love, I do understand that they are married. I do understand that love conquers all. We. Oui? I am not going to bleed myself dry for this. Okay, I might bleed myself dry for this. We will see.
0: <laughs> he kind of gives you another look. It's like, I have seen you bleed for less. <laughs> now, nah, I must attend my duties and make sure that the war does not break out while I am away.
1: <laughs> Remember, if there is war, it has probably started a long time ago. <sighs> I am all too familiar. Be safe. Have some tea. Always.
0: And you as well.
1: I have a good serving of um, bread with a very, very good honey butter.
0: Oh, I am jealous of you and your frivolities.
1: <laughs> if you knew the other things we ate, you wouldn't consider them frivolities.
0: <laughs> we are having empanada for the fourth time. Oh,
1: I am a bit jealous. It's the king's favorite. The king will have what he wants to have.
0: Au revoir. He walks over to the globe, puts his hand on it. The world screams as it always does, except in this strange space, it's more of a whisper than a shouting, tearing, scratching noise at the back of your skull. And he steps through the portal and it
1: closes. Goes and gets himself a cup of tea, takes his time and then checks his watch, heads back.
0: The camera zooms in as Amboise is taking a moment for tea and zooms even closer into the cup, where we fade into black for a moment, and then in reverse pan, we see a similar teacup as we transition back into the galley of the thorn.
3: Dala! What do you do when you're done with lunch? Dala would help with dishes, and then... She'd probably go back to the infirmary. I think just like every single day, she kind of inventories all of her tools and checks on them and does upkeep on them. She like inventories a couple times a day and then the afternoon is when she'll sit down and just be scrubbing things and filing things and making sure everything's sharp and clean and taking notes in some of her notebooks, keeping everything organized. I like the idea that she does have records of everyone's medical stuff. They probably started off in the beginning as just, like, terribly scrawled notes, but at this point she has, like, notebooks for everybody. Every time they come in to visit her, she'll, like, write down what it is <laughs> just to keep track. Oh, she's got that doctor scrawl. Oh, no one else can read it. But she knows what it says. That's amazing. So, as
0: you're scrolling in one of your journals, Wesley comes in.
3: Hi, Dolla.
4: I've come by to tell you some news. So... I went and brought food to Tia, though she was still asleep, and I was told we weren't supposed to stay very long, even though the brothers said I should stay longer and make sure she eats, but I was supposed to make sure Oliver eats. So, I went down to the burst to Oliver's hammock, and he wasn't there, and I couldn't find him for a really long time. And then I found him in a corner, and I told him he should eat the shepherd pie, and he said he didn't want shepherd pie, he said he wanted to go home. I told him he is home, and he said, no, you don't understand, my home in Avalon, my home in my mansion, I want to go home. I don't like it here, and I hate shepherd's pie. Do I look like a shepherd? And he threw the pie at me, but he missed, and kept yelling, I've always hated shepherd's pie. It's the worst culinary creation in existence. Avalon is famous for it, and it's terrible. Might as well eat dirt. You get more nutrients from sod. But Dala, uh, he didn't eat today. He hasn't eaten since he got back.
3: There's been a couple times during this whole thing where she like went to stand up, or like Oliver's missing, and then, oh no, you found him, okay. And like, oh, he threw something at you, and she kind of stands up a little, like, I oh, no, Okay. All right, that seems fine. Like just every every couple of lines, she's like about to get up, and then, oh no, that was just all. Doll just used to letting him go, and doesn't interrupt, and she just waits patiently for him to finish. I was so happy that you just
0: let me go because,
3: god damn it, it's great. He pops his head, in and it's like I don't have to say anything for the next several minutes. Wesley has two modes. It's either. Deliver news mode,
0: there's nothing urgent Or fuck, it's urgent, live reacts only <laughs>
3: <laughs> Yes So Dala will finally stand up now, officially
4: Captain told me to come tell you and her if he starts looking sick He's starting, he's lost his color, and he's sweating a lot
3: I think she's a little irked by this She's gonna pat Wesley on the shoulder and Thank you, Wesley I'll see what I can do
4: I hope he'll be alright He's alright and proper gent and everything and I hate to see him the way he is. And besides, I'm pretty sure every ship gets one. And he gestures over with his head over at Mallory's lab.
3: <laughs> we already got one. <laughs> hmm. This is different.
4: You're right. I think something in a broke.
3: Hmm. Nothing's too broken to not be fixed.
4: That's our Dr. Jala, that is. Love to hear that. All right. Well, I'm going to go tell the captain. And if you need me, just give me that old whistle. Good luck. Hmm.
3: I'll need it. She's going to go to the kitchen and she's going to grab some bread. The bread is just... I want the bread. Oh, me too. <laughs> I could go for a good sourdough right now. Like, holy shit. <gasps> With some
2: whipped butter. Oh,
3: fuck. Oh, my gosh. Speaking my language. So she's going to, like, tear off a hunk of bread and she's going to get... What do you think the, like, usual drink... Would be just the, like, if we're sitting down to eat a meal, what everyone's drinking. I imagine we're not drinking anything, like,
2: hard. Historically, it was a watered-down alcoholic drink just to keep it clean of germs. Especially with uh, Mallory's established germ theory. It's extremely... <laughs> it's a little wa- bit stronger a-
0: than you would find a- on any Yeah. Ship. <laughs> just a little bit. It's
3: a splash of water, you know, for flavor. <laughs> oh, no. Oh no, you know what it would be too? It would be extra like citrusy. Yes. Yeah, I think
2: that's what it is. So
3: it's like watered down rum, but then it has a lot of like lemon or lime juice in it.
2: Oh, sure. And Mallory probably boils it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's distilled water in a, you know,
5: metal something or other.
3: So we could be drinking plain clean water, but no one wants that. No, <laughs> no.
5: no one wants like, that. Mallory can distill water, but not in large amounts. So it's like useful for Dala when she needs someone to get hydrated, basically.
0: Or needs to like have clean water for cleaning tools or something. There you go. Yeah.
3: So she's going to grab some bread. She's going to grab the delightful drink of the ship. She's going to head to where Oliver is.
0: Oliver is in the bilge, and Oliver has sequestered himself as far inside as possible. And what I mean by that is there's not a lot of space to fit cargo. It's just kind of empty space. That's where Oliver is and he's kind of sitting there with his back facing out, with his head facing inside the corner. As you approach, he reacts much like a rabbit would to an approaching fox, turns around really quickly, and his hair is all disheveled, all must. It's a little bit dirty. You're not sure if it's from actual dirt or from gunpowder, his coat, which was a very vibrant salmon, is dull and dingy. A couple of the sleeve laces are kind of disintegrating, and he's got this wild look in his eyes. Don't, don't, don't come any closer. Stay, stay right there. Right there. It's, it's just fine where I can see you.
3: Doll is just going to very, very slowly place the plate with the bread and the cup on the ground and kind of slide them towards him until he like starts to flinch more and then stops.
0: No, I, I told you, I'm not going to fall for any of your tricks.
3: And then she's gonna take a couple steps back and she's gonna sit on the ground across from him.
0: I know what happens when, when I eat the food from where you are. You're not gonna trick me, not this lad. No, not today, not ever.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Doll is just going to sit. She's going to just watch him as he talks. He is manic and his eyes twitching a
0: little bit. He's holding himself as if he's cold and then gestures wildly at what you're throwing at him and he runs his hands through his hair to try and, and make it look nice. But he's only making it look worse... Then he smears a hand down across his face and grabs the lapels and thrusts them out rather aggressively and sits proper again. But it has this like strange twitching that's happening that he can't seem to control. And you notice that his hands are shaking. He is very pale and he is gaunt in the cheeks. And again, his eyes are wide like dinner plates, darting to the food, darting to you darting back to the plate, darting up in the ceiling, darting into the corner.
3: She's gonna reach forward and slide it a little bit closer.
0: So Dala, I'm gonna need you to roll a risk. Mm.
3: Okay. I tell you the trait and skill that I wanna use for this.
0: Exactly, what is Dala's approach to interacting with Oliver.
3: All right. I'm thinking wits for the trait. Mm -hmm. I'm stuck between empathy and notice. Okay.
0: So empathy is appealing to the nature of the person you're speaking with, is kind of getting with them on an emotional level, really trying to understand their situation and come at it from a empathetic approach. Whereas the notice is you're trained to look for signs and ticks and mannerisms within their body language to tell you whether or not you're doing a good job of reassuring or a bad job. Like, whether this is beneficial for them or a hindrance. So it's really up to you.
3: I think I want to go at this kind of clinically. Okay. Yeah, so I'm going to do wits and notice.
0: Perfect. So however many points you have in wits and notice, that is the beginning die pool that you're going to start with. And then if you explain to me how you're narratively approaching this, I will then give you two for Flare because you're also using this skill and trait combo for the first time, so that's automatically one extra die in a pool.
3: She feels bad that this happens, but also is trying to approach it very logically. And she also doesn't know Oliver that well. I don't want her to be mean because it's a fine line between pushing them to be worse. But I think she wants to be very firm with him as like almost an authority figure. Okay. I am telling you that it is okay. And like, this is reality. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you need like a strong helping hand right now. Yeah, Come back to reality. If you want to go home, you can go home, but we're going to fix this first. Right. She does not want to baby this man. Right. So
0: yeah, actually, notice fits perfectly because you're going to be able to tell if this approach is helpful or if it is harmful.
3: Yeah. She does not want to make him worse. Mm -hmm. And then if you
0: have anything that could grant you extra dice, such as advantages, that would help you in this situation. I'm going to go ahead and say large is not helpful at this moment. No.
3: (laughs) I would not think it is I have eagle eyes I don't know if that's particularly helpful that is
0: very helpful that grants you one bonus die when you're using your eyes to notice
3: things (laughs) I am using my eyes handy is for physical things to repair them I've got it which is picking locks yeah that's it alright
0: let me lay out the consequences and opportunities Oliver is so far removed after his encounter with the Ways that you could send him into a episode of sorts by pushing him too far. So it's going to cost you some raises to not only prevent that, but also perhaps maybe to reel him back in. With that, it is going to be three raises to talk Oliver down to bring them out of their manic state. One raise to do the thing, one because nobody's interacted with him for a while, and a third raise because of his own kind of perception of what's going on.
3: Okay. Do we start sessions with one hero point?
0: Yes, you do, unless you have Valiant Spirit, which grants you two.
3: Okay. Don't have that. I think I had two on my sheet left over from a previous session, so I want to make sure I start with the correct number.
0: We have reset back to one. Hey, hey, Zoe. Mm -hmm. Hey, Zoe. Hey, Amboise.
1: Can we add in some potential BS?
0: Give it to me, baby.
1: As Dala has seen this type of stuff happen often, whenever the crew has to bring new people through, and has spoken with Amboise on multiple occasions, possibly, on how to best combat these kind of things, could she... Make use of his virtue.
0: Ooh, I'm going to go ahead and say no on the virtue. However, you can spend a hero point and help Dala in this situation by giving her three extra dice to this roll. Absolutely. So what does your pool of dice look like? Ten. Perfect. Love that. Do
3: I roll the bones now?
0: You may roll the bones. Get him. Get that good dice fully in. Yes.
3: Love it. Okay.
0: Remember, we are making sets of 10.
3: Yes. So right off the bat, I have one 10.
0: Fantastic. That's a raise.
3: I have a six and a four. That's a raise. Okay. I have a five and a five. Love that. I have a nine and a one. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I have six, a three, and a two.
0: That's five raises.
3: Yeah! I did it! (laughs) You did! I'm so proud of you. Now,
0: let's go fix the professor. Oliver right now is quiet. And by quiet, I mean he's not silent. But he's not speaking. At least not to you. He is mumbling to himself about something. We're not quite sure what, because the camera can't hear it either camera is slowly zooming in to view the moment between you two. And what do you say to Oliver?
3: First, she's going to rip off a little piece of bread and she's gonna eat it.
0: It's fucking delicious. Oh, of course <laughs>
3: <laughs> as a little show of like, let's not poison. All of her movements are very slow and very just trying to be as as calming of a presence as possible. So by offering him some food, I am spending a race to try and bring him back. You really should eat. You haven't eaten anything in a long time. No tricks. No trade. You should have something.
0: That is exactly what a she would say that there's nothing wrong with this food. There's no way it won't tie you to this world forever. There's there's that is that is exactly what I'm talking about and no one is understanding me on this subject. That that young young Faylor that you brought here first to try and force feed me with this tripe. And he points to the bowl, which you can see out of the corner of your eye, uh, it's like there. It's like tried to, to 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 convince me that it was for my own good that I ate that rubbish. I don't care how good that pastry confection. Is that that whipped butter? I don't care how good it it smells or looks. I won't eat it. I refuse. I I won't be trapped here forever.
3: She's going to scooch it a little bit closer. Don't you trust Mallory? They made this. By mentioning Mallory, I am spending a raise to try and learn more about Oliver, since they seem to know each other.
5: Mallory? Oh. Mallory. Wait. I'll read it. Oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. I'm spending
3: a danger point.
5: Uh oh. Oh shit. What have I done? <laughs> mm, uh, mm, uh, 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 it's that. Dolly, you mean so well. You mm-hmm. mean so well.
0: Something happens. You've seen this a few times when someone is way too far gone. Uh oh. His pupils dilate down to pinpricks, and he freezes. In the moment. I don't remember. I don't remember. I can't remember for the life of me. Who's this Mallory you speak of? Who are you talking about? Do I know them? Should I know them? What do they look like?
3: I'll spend a raise to try and bring him back to reality again. Do you remember my name?
0: It's quite dark in here. Is there, is there, hold on, hold on. He fumbles in his coat pocket. There's so many pockets in this thing. I don't remember why I put so many pockets in here. I, uh, ah, here we go. Takes out a matchbook and strikes a match and, and holds it out and looks at you. Ah, yes, the doctor, the good doctor. Dalla. I think your name was, yes? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I remember you. How could I forget? You're larger than life, my dear. <laughs> my
3: goodness, you look dashing in the matchstick light. But, uh, ow, ow, ow shit. Yeah, you're still in there somewhere.
0: You can see that his eyes have returned to normal. They're still a little twitchy, but the pupils aren't super fucking fine print bricks anymore. No, this is another game of yours, isn't it? <laughs> I know what you're trying to do, and I appreciate the gumption, but it's not going to work. Not on me. I appreciate that you've brought me this bread, Doctor, but I'm not going to be tricked. You just look like the Doctor. You, you're actually some she-lord. I, I know it. I, you can't trick me. I refuse to be tricked, you know. I went to academy. There's no way that you could pull the wool over my eyes. I have a doctrine of my own,
3: you know. Of course, the doctrine is not the same as a doctorate. They're two totally different things. But anyway, that's besides the point. So she's watching him so intently because she's trying to read his body language since she is pretty good at reading people. Like Wesley, she can always tell if he has good news or bad news before he even opens his mouth. So I would like to spend a raise to figure out what is making Oliver upset by how he reacts to the conversation and find a way to bring him back.
0: So because you are using wits, I will give you this, you know that the professor studied in Avalon. He is very Avalonian. There's no mistaking that. And what he is referring to is the she, which you know about, you know that they're tricksy, you know that they make promises and deals and all that nonsense. What, Barcroft is referring to in this moment is if he eats the food he will be trapped in this realm forever. Mm-hmm. He still thinks that he's in the ways and he's equating the ways to the Fey realm, to Bryn Brasale. Okay. Now when he is speaking about you or speaking about Mallory, or speaking about something in the present time, it is bringing him back. You get more of Barcroft and less of this broken element of him. Whenever he refers to Avalon or something regarding the Academy or something that brings him back to that point, he is then reminded of the quote-unquote trickery. Mm -hmm. Got it. Now there's an opportunity in that. Barcroft studied at Academy. He is much smarter than the trickery afoot here. He can logic his way out of this. He just has to be reminded to do so.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Doll is just going to kind of have her hands open, palms up, just very, very chill and relaxed, and ask Oliver, what can I do to prove to you that I'm not a she?
0: Let's see. Rumor has it that the she bleed blue, but I don't want you
3: to harm yourself in front of me, dear lord. Actually, the thought of that makes me gag a little bit. Oh. Dalla was going to pull a, like, pocket knife out or something, and then... Oh, never mind. Okay. Not doing that one.
0: Tell me your full name. That's what you can do. Dalla Bronson. That is the full birth-given name, yes? Yes. All right. He sits in front of you and nestles himself in a comfortable position and grabs his lapels and flips them out again and looks you dead in the eyes and says, Dollar Bronson,
3: I order you to do a backflip. Do I look like I can do a backflip?
0: He blinks a couple of times and I should have had total complete control over you and you should have just done a backflip.
3: Got anything else?
0: He looks at the bread and looks at you and looks at the butter. And his mouth is watering just slightly and he wipes the corner of it.
3: I imagine he's very dehydrated at this point too.
0: Because you've eagle eyes and because you've noticed when he pulls at his skin... It hangs there for a second and then lays flat. Whereas, like, if you're hydrated, it bounces right back. Mm-hmm.
3: He's probably got those crusty lips too.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. He's picking at them and biting at them a little bit in contemplation. Make me a promise right now that you could break.
3: Hmm.
5: Oh, I don't know. Yeah, make it something stupid. Promise
2: not
6: to blink.
5: Yeah. Keep it
2: very simple. Mhm. And she'll
3: make very direct eye contact and say, "If you offer your hand, I promise not to shake it." And I will spend my last rays to bring Oliver back.
0: All right. Well, if you are, she there is no way that you're going to shake my hand. And he just thrusts it out.
3: And she'll take it and she'll shake it very gently. And give his hand a little squeeze.
0: His hands are clammy and cold with sweat. And dirty from gunpowder and dirt and detritus from the ship. It looks like he has been, like, running his hands along the planks. There's some redness and some rawness to his skin, which is normally very soft. He looks uh, bewildered at the contact.
3: She'll uh, take her other hand and kind of, like, cup both of his hands between hers and give him a little pat.
0: That settles it, then. You're not she, are you? Nope, just Dala. I am terribly sorry. I, I don't quite know what came over me. I um, I thought for the life of me I was trapped in. Uh, in in the uh,
3: makes a face and <laughs> doesn't say the words because he doesn't have the words. Do you want some bread now? I would love some bread. Yes. She'll take the chunk of bread and like tear off a few pieces and hand them to him. You should probably eat slowly. It's been a while. You don't want to eat too much too fast.
0: He takes it and eats it, and there's a look that crosses his face, and it is one of supreme joy, utter bliss, and relief. Mm. There is a manic dash to try and rip off more and eat more, but uh, because you're there, he does reserve himself
3: a little bit better. She does make him drink all the water, though. She's gonna kind of lean in like a little conspiracy-like, and she's gonna kind of whisper, did you open your eyes while you were in there? No, I,
0: no. I was told explicitly not to open my eyes and so I didn't. Although there were a great many voices telling me that I should see and look because what I was going to see was unlike anything I would have ever seen in my life. And I would have missed the opportunity if I didn't open my eyes right then. But I was told by your lovely friend there, Amboise, yes? Told me most sincerely not to open my eyes. I have heard tales and stories and such of that place and things. But no, I did not open my eyes.
3: Good. The voices are right, but it's not good stuff you want to see.
0: I was simply overwhelmed by the... Reality of it. You see, it's always been a story to me. It's like meeting your hero for the first time and realizing that, oh, perhaps they're not as great as the stories say.
3: They're actually the worst.
0: Quite. Quite. Yeah. A wake-up call of sorts.
3: I'm glad you're back.
0: I'm also glad I'm back. do apologize to the young lad there. I, I wasn't myself, you know.
3: Wesley doesn't hold grudges, don't worry. Give him a day. He'll be over it.
0: He's a smart lad, that one. Well, I, I, I guess I should go clean myself up then, shall I?
3: If you want to come to the infirmary and clean yourself up a bit there before anyone else sees you, you can do that. Oh, I'd
0: love a good wash. Do we have a tub and water aboard the ship? Perhaps you could draw a bath for me.
3: Mmm. Dala just kind of looks a little forlorn and. I have a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I would hope it's a different bucket. It's a different bucket. It's a clean bucket. Thieves above. What is with you in buckets? There's a lot of buckets on the ship.
4: Oh, Lord.
0: All right. It's fine. I'm living my dream as being a pirate on a pirate
3: ship. It's not the kind of stuff they write about in the adventuring tales.
0: No, they certainly do not. And one day when I get my own ship, there will be no... Buckets. Hmm. There'll only be wash tubs and
3: proper louves. (laughs) Beautiful toilets with just like a hole straight out the side of the ship. (laughs) (laughs) I'll make it happen.
0: Anyway, he gets up, brushes himself off, picks up the plate. You said Mallory? The name, yes? Mm Mm-hmm. Mallory. 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 You notice his eyes dilate to that pinprick again, Mallory, and then back open again. No, I haven't the foggiest. You'll have to introduce me to them because this bread is simply divine.
3: She'll pat him on the shoulder and lead him to the infirmary.
2: Uh, pardon me, Dala. I was handed a book from Mamboise, and I was fascinated by this sword i was thinking that maybe you it would be good for you to take a look at it as well
3: Hmm. what kind of book
2: it is the heel of achilles
3: she'll kind of shrug and take the book and start flipping through it
0: so as you're flipping through it there's this mention of draconizen and you know what draconizen is it is dragon iron which in 7 sea lore is made of what dragons were. And dragons did exist at one point in time. They aren't just fairy tales. But in your upbringing and in your culture, they are revered. They are creatures of power physically, but power mentally as well. And the fact that the Sword of Achilles is said to exist and still be out in the world brings you joy because all of these accounts are slaying bad sorcerers and bad monsters with it and you having grown up in vestiment know what trolls are mm-hmm. those are real they exist they aren't just fairy tales like in avalon they do wreak havoc destroy villages steal children it is a terrible creature and you know that some of Your people have weapons with which to fight these trolls, and Draconizen is among them. It is very, very, very slim because of its rarity, but the people that have it are the people that go out and slay these evil creatures. And so there is a bit of good knowing that this sword still exists, and that the accounts are a little rough, but... There's documentation there to believe that you can trace where the sword was last dropped. If you took this and put it on a map, you'd be
3: able to follow the path of where it goes. Mm-hmm. I think Dala starts sketching out a map. She'll like bring Diego into the infirmary and have him wait, and then open up one of her notebooks and just like scrawl out This is the world. This is this part in the book where it says this. And then if you follow it to this one and like is scratching it out and it probably doesn't make any sense to Diego. (laughs) Like, oh, yeah, there's like the continent. I get that. But what is this? Handwriting is terrible. But she's like excitedly explaining it to him. Did you see this?
2: Exactly. So I was thinking if we can get maybe this sword or... A similar sword. I think we should get it as a gift for Amboise. Now, I don't know when his birthday is, but I was wondering if you have it in your records, because, well, you're the doctor after all. Oh
0: my god, of course she would have (laughs) when your birthday is.
3: (laughs) Thala knows everybody's birthday.
1: (laughs) Kinda. Oh. mm. As
3: far as everyone tells her.
1: She has a date, that's for sure.
5: We chose a special birthday for Amboise, even if he doesn't have the official one.
3: Yes...
0: Oh, uh, that's delightful. Fuck, I love how wholesome that is.
3: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) At that, Dala like sits down in the chair. I think that's a really good idea. I like that. Let's do it. And then she will flip through and find Amboise's records and tell Diego his birthday. As far as she knows, whatever Amboise told her his birthday was. (laughs) What did you tell Dala your birthday was?
1: How does the date system work?
0: So the date system is much like our date system. There are 12 months, and in the 12 months are 30 days. It's, it's like totally not January, totally not December. It's like the Roman equivalent of whatever that is.
1: Is there by any chance a month with an extra day due to a leap year?
0: Every four years, there is.
1: Cool, let's go with that one. Oh, Love that. So you were born in the leap year. Get some Pirates of Panzance stuff going. Yes,
3: yes. <laughs> Love it.
0: And so as we transition away from Dalla and Diego kind of excitedly making birthday plans for Amboise, we skip over to Mallory's lab.
6: Hey there, friends. This is Patrick, the voice of Wayland Graywall, And I would like to welcome you to the mid-reel. Empty what you gotta empty, refill what you gotta refill and take a breather while we tell you about all of the wonderful people who are kind enough to be our sponsors. Are you looking to take your TTRPG experience to the next level? Let the crafty gamer take your senses on a new journey with Aromas of Adventure. Designed to enhance immersion through scent, each of their soy-based candles is hand-poured with care. And with a myriad of different aromas they are sure to have one most befitting the setting of your game. If you're in the market for aromas of adventure and other tabletop-inspired merchandise, visit TheCraftyGamer.com and use code WRITERSROOM for 10% off your purchase. Many Worlds Tavern is an online coffee company that provides coffee for your game night and tea for your tabletop. One of our favorite things about the Many Worlds Tavern is their give back program, where they donate $1 of each bag to support gaming related nonprofits. And make sure to check out their flagship product, The Treasured Realm, of which only 1000 bags are available each 1st of the month. Each order comes with a numbered card, a limited edition sticker, and a D&D 5e magic item, also a set of dice. Now, while we are all fans of Many Worlds Tavern here at the Writer's Room, I personally am the biggest coffee nerd out of all of us. My favorite of Many Worlds offerings has to be the Dragon's Nest. It is an absolutely incredible light roast coffee that is an African blend of Ethiopia and Tanzania varietals. Find out more at ManyWorldsTavern.com. Make sure you use our code WRITERS10 at checkout. The first 100 of you to use that code will receive 10% off of your entire order. We'd also like to take a moment to shout out our Kofi officers. If you would like to join the ranks of these fine folks, as well as Zoe in the Writer's Room at the top of each episode, sign up to be a part of the Kofi crew using the link below. We here at the Writer's Room support real art by real people in all of their creatively expressive forms. And for those of you who are members of our Discord and active on our socials, you may have seen all of the incredible illustrations made by the lovely and talented Emery Chelsberg. If you would like to own some of the official Fate of the Thorn masterpieces, head over to his gallery using the link provided and know that 100% of the proceeds will go directly to the artist. And keep a weather eye out for more gorgeous art as we sail along. And remember, you can find the links to all of our sponsors, as well as their respective discount codes, in the description of this episode. Thank you for taking this break with us. Now, let's get back to the story.
0: Mallory, what are you doing? Now that? lunch is over and alciniega is still on her walk about they're probably
5: working on a new toy for ruby
0: oh what does that look like
5: so they've got a bunch of pocket watches that they stole off of people at the ball (laughs) um (laughs) and they have disassembled the pocket watches into pieces and they've arranged all the gears in different small piles on their workshop And are taking the gears and assembling them into different small wind-up motors. And those motors are placed into like a faceted skeleton. And that skeleton is placed into more of a shell. And they're creating basically a bunch of small little swimmy fish toys out of spare parts.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. And outside, you can hear the difference in splashing between the splashes up against the hull and the splashing of Ruby's tail as she is excitedly waiting for whatever you are about to drop
5: out the window. They finish putting like the final little wax waterproofing on one of them. It's pretty big at the end of it because there's a lot of machinery they got to fit in there. Half a foot to a foot long, about the size of a Subway sandwich. And they sort of peek their head out the window looking down at Ruby. Ruby flips over onto her belly, <laughs> exposing the pink underside. <laughs> and
0: she does this thing with her flippers where she slaps them, as in like, come on, give it to me, yay! <laughs> yes, please!
5: All right, my sweet Scarlet darling, you know the rules. It gets a ten-second head start, and they wind up the toy. And they, without doing too much of a toss so gets a, a fair start. They let it go into the ocean. It splashes down and begins a swimming like a shark. It's not a, a propeller motor. It actually like curves from side to side like an actual proper fish. And they give it 10 seconds to speed through the water before they see how fast Ruby can get to it.
0: Mm-hmm. And so Ruby flips over and actually stops swimming and lets the ship and the little toy go ahead. And you count it down in your head. And then 10 seconds go by and you see her body kind of dip. She bolts after the toy. Now the toy is exceptionally fast this time around, but still not quick enough to outpace a thresher shark, especially one so adept as Ruby is. And Ruby catches up to it a little bit slower than the previous test, but still pretty fast, according to her records, which you keep meticulous track of. Of course. And she bumps it with her nose, flips it up out of the water, and slaps it with her tail, and flips it forward, and then bumps it with her nose again, and flips it in the water. She lets it swim for a little while, and then catches up with it, and (laughs) is just having
5: the grandest time of her little shark life. Mallory just watches on, delighted. It is the cutest thing ever. Having a good time, Doctor. Yeah. I was, um... Yes, Captain, I was um, working on a project for the ship, obviously. Mallory,
2: it's fine to have a bit of fun when we are in downtime. In fact, I wanted to ask you if you wanted to join Sai and I for dinner tonight. Oh, uh,
5: f- for for dinner, just... Um... You should bring Miss Asenyega. All right, um, certainly. C- can I ask why? Well, you
2: have brought another passenger aboard. I'd like to get to know her a little bit and
5: find out why you two get along so well. Oh, uh, right, of course. That's um, perfectly understandable. Yes, uh, would you like me to cook dinner tonight? She's just like turning
2: to go and kind of like trips over the threshold of the door. Say, <laughs> 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 um, and I will handle it. Delightful. Alright, sounds good. I'll see you then. That whole time, I'm watching the smoky thread. What's it been up to?
0: So the smoky thread has been kind of dangling, loose, and limp. Every once in a while it will flit up to try and reach the other thread, but it's too short now. And so it just kind of hangs. And out of the corner of your eye, as you're turning away to leave... Your eyes pass over the coconut and you see just a little tendril of that same smoke.
2: Connected or just coming from the coconut?
0: Not connected, coming from the coconut.
2: Okay, she's got a plan, but it's gonna happen over dinner.
5: Ooh, okay. okay. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Very briefly, can Mallory just do a quick check in with Coco?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
5: So before Alvara returns from her walk, Mallory's gonna pick up Coco, sit down on the bed, and look him in the eye and say, Hey little star, you've been you've been quiet all day, are you sleeping? I get awfully bored not having you make comments in my head, you know. Is there anything you need? There
0: isn't really a response.
5: Come now, Morning Star Mine. Give me something. Oh
0: no. You hear that in the back, 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 back of your head. And as you're staring at the coconut, the camera is doing that cinematic thing where it's slowly zooming in and that noise is getting louder and louder and more forlorn. We get a brief flash of the camera going white and then black and then white again as the noise jumps with the flashing. (laughs) Mallory, you're in the lighthouse again.
5: Coco? Astro, where are you?
0: There is this haunting, terrible screeching noise from down below.
5: Mallory takes a torch off of one of the sconces on the wall, and with a slight apprehension, not one born of not knowing what lies at the bottom, but an apprehension born of knowing exactly what lies at the bottom, Mallory descends the staircase.
0: The camera does that thing where it's following you, descending the spiral staircase down, 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 and finally you get to an archway that doesn't have a door to it and step in. There is a room in here that was lined with bookshelves. There are books literally everywhere, torn asunder, opened, flipped on their spines. One of the bookshelves is tattered and the shelves have like landed on each other. And in the corner near a mantle where a fire was roaring blue is this hulking figure covered in these black, iridescent feathers, breathing heavily.
5: Oh, stars and stones, Astra. Mallory drops the torch and and rushes over. Uh, They reach out a hand, touching him gently at first, and and then more frantically, trying to get his attention. Uh, They're searching for a hand or, or a face or something beneath the feathers. Can you hear me, Astra? I'm here. It's Mallory. Can you hear me? You reach into
0: the mass of feathers. You pull through it like a curtain until you find a face. That face is not human. It has sharp avian features. There is a set of eyes that is normal, but they're always leaking this blue glittering smoke. And beneath that, there is a second set of eyes. And above that, there is a third set of eyes and there is an eye in the center that is shut. There appear to be these whip lines across that eye, and it's bleeding this silver blood down the face. It drips off the
5: sharp nose. Darling, did she do this to you? I swear I'm going to tear that thing limb from limb. I, I swear on Terra herself. What's wrong? Astra, what do I do? What-, what did she take from you? What do you need?
0: "'My thread.'"
5: "'Um, right, the thread. "'Surely the captain can fix that. "'She wanted to speak with me anyway. "'We can fix that, right? "'We can put you back together. "'We can get you back.'" "'I don't
0: know.'" You hear the rustling of feathers as something is reaching out to you, but then it crumbles away like ash, and it rapidly is taking the arm up into the shoulder, up into the face. And there's that pained screeching again. And as if the ground beneath him has just crumbled into dust. Astra, no! 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 And then you are back in the moment on the ship holding the coconut.
5: The camera zooms out. You see the ship floating on the water in the evening sun. And you hear a distant pained cry coming from the walls of mallory's lab
2: angelica and saya are in the mess they're prepping food for what they think is going to be a calm conversation as soon as the shriek goes out angelica will take the kitchen knife she's holding flip it around in a reverse grip and look at saya
0: Saya has already jumped the
2: table. And we're vaulting over at Captain America on the hood of a car style.
5: Oh, oh, oh,
2: we both go booking for the lab.
3: Dalla's door bursts open. Mallory? It's locked. Ah. Ah. Miss Bronson! She's going for it. Shoulder checks the door in. For some reason, it doesn't
2: open at the first hit Oh. Angelica goes pale. Miss Bronson, get that door open. I'm
3: working on it. She gives it a second go.
2: The second hit doesn't do anything either.
0: What? Wait, what?
2: The fuck? <laughs> I didn't plan this. <laughs> Dalla failing to open a door twice. Instant read. I'm reading everything. When Dalla strikes the door, blue smoke billows out from the opening. Diego hands Dalla an axe because he wasn't there fast because of the injury.
3: Dalla has an axe. (laughs) (laughs) Dalla looks Diego (laughs) up and down like, how dare you, sir, and pulls the axe off of her belt. (laughs) (laughs) And then motions to step aside. Dalla does call to the door to have Mallory stand back first, just in case. And then she starts
2: wailing on the door with her axe. Angelica shoots a look to Saya, Try to get through. But she's going to leave this area and go down under the thorn lance to the little trap door that opens into Mallory's lab. And she's going to climb up that ladder and try and get in through that secret entrance.
0: Mm hmm. Oh, captain, Captain, my my captain.
2: captain. (laughs) Could I activate my uh, what's my thing?
0: is there virtues and hubris is being activated
2: oh yeah oh Oh, yeah boy (laughs) relentless you receive a hero point when you refuse to leave well enough alone or quit while you're ahead it gets you in trouble oh boy love that i'd also like to use my virtue and activate commanding i give a hero point to all other heroes in the scene Aw, nice.
0: We follow Angelica as she is going to the secret compartment. There is a little bit of resistance, but not as much as the front door. And you manage to open it and just a flood of billowing blue smoke comes in. And it doesn't choke you like normal
2: smoke would, but it does block your sight. All of my sight or my human sight?
3: Your human sight! (laughs) As you
0: scramble into the lab, Mallory, how do you look
5: to the Fate Witch site? To the Fate Witch site? I'm looking for your thread. How do your threads look, buddy? I think the Tesla coil electricity that usually crackles around them, sort of attaching onto different things, has now just, like, completely curled inward. So it's just, like, centered around really just their head and really just their face, just these knots of electricity that are, are coiling in on themselves and faintly crackling nowhere near as lively as they were before. They've just completely closed in. They're still moving and wriggling, but they're no longer reaching out with the same sort of vibrance that they once were.
0: Angelica, as your sight is focused on the fate thread, something swoops in front of you. You look up and with your witch sight, all you can see is smoke, but you can hear a pair of wings clearly beating. Eventually, you do find that blue dangling thread you've seen before, but it is flying in a perimeter around the room. And every time Dala strikes the door with her axe, this astral avian creature flinches in mid-flight, as though it is being struck itself.
5: Oh my god. Astra, stand down!
0: Whatever this creature, this Astra is... It lands in front of Mallory, and as the smoke begins to clear, you see in front of you what appears to be a barn owl made of stars and universes and cosmos. Star-studded wings open wide, and it crouches, rocks back and forth on its black talons, and screeches a warning cry, protecting Mallory.
2: I have indomitable will. She's not fucking scared.
0: I have a danger point. You're not going to scare it either.
5: <laughs> Fair enough. You hear Mallory weakly croak. Don't hurt him.
2: Oh. There's no manipulate someone in this game. Nope,
5: there certainly isn't. <laughs> <laughs> good, 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 good.
2: Can I see the main thread of the smoke? Yes. Zoe? Zoe? Yeah. Angelica wants to remove a threat that is endangering her crew. No! No! God damn it! She reaches a hand out towards this blue smoking thread. Get the fuck away from my engineer! I'm spending a danger point.
0: Yep. You grab the thread. This thing flies at you. You take a hold of its fate thread. The world tenses and holds its breath. Upon seeing the second pair of eyes and watching this creature defend Mallory, despite the pain it's going through and at the detriment of its own life, you realize that both of them are connected and that their fate, as well as your own, is literally in your hands. As a young Strega, you were warned about tempting fate in such a way, because what you do and say could change the course of Mallory's life, for better or for worse. Like a dying star, this is their event horizon. They could explode into something greater, or devolve into something worse, based off of your actions. This is going to be one hell of a risk. Now, as we settle into the writer's room with our piping hot cups of tea, thank you, Greg... The moment for both of you is paused right now. And only you two will be able to interact with each other during this risk. And this risk is not Angelica's alone. Emery, Mallory's not helpless. They can act here too. So this is a joint risk. I would love to hear some approaches.
5: So I have an actual approach, I think, if we're both rolling here. Give it to me. Mallory is gonna reveal something secret to Angelica. The approach is uh, maybe panache and empathy? I'm trying to get her to realize that this is not a threat.
0: Definitely panache and empathy.
5: Yeah, okay, cool. Don't think I have anything else that'll apply here. Take two for Flair. Two for Flair, that's right. Natalie?
2: It's gonna have to be Aim and Finesse. She's working with threads here. She's gotta be careful. I don't think anything else works here, so you... Empathy also works. Angelica's not very empathetic.
0: <laughs> you do know that Mallory did ask you to not hurt him.
2: Yeah. And they seemed very, very concerned and sincere in that. But I did hear them cry out in pain, didn't I? You did. Well, given that, I'll switch it up. I'll go panache and notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll go with those. Take two for flair. I don't know if I get any other bonuses besides that. I do have a question.
3: Sure, I may have an answer. My background is quartermaster, and so I earn a hero point when I solve a problem for my crew. Does getting Oliver out of their trance, kind of, does that count as solving a problem for the crew? Yes. So I have
5: three hero points. Mm.
3: Yeah. Is it stupid to give each of them in this situation one? Can I do that?
5: I think it's great. Oh, it's hilarious. Are you kidding me?
3: Oh, oh boy. Okay, so show me. I know you're breaking down the door for Angelica. How is it helping Mallory? (laughs) So the way I picture this situation is kind of like there's the door and then behind the door is Mallory and then the bird in between Mallory and Angelica and so once the door is down I want Dala to just go straight and scoop up Mallory so it's like kind of helping but also not helping and just kind of getting involved and making too many judgments (laughs) like protecting Mallory but also taking them away from this thing that wants to protect them yeah just first instincts Mm -hmm. this is the crewmate that cried out in pain
2: It's almost like you're barging into a situation you have no business getting involved in.
3: Wow, funny. That's kind of (laughs) what I'm going for. Somebody knows how to read the stories. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Fuck, I love it. I'm running on instinct and it's bad instinct. Running on bad instinct, baby.
0: All right. Tell me when. Oh, consequences and opportunities. Angelica, there is a consequence you are not seeing because you are so focused in what's happening in this room that you don't know that the threat that you're trying to get rid of doesn't
5: exist in this room. Nice, 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 nice.
0: It is going to take five raises for you to realize that this thing is not the threat.
5: I love it. I love it.
0: Well, there is a very big consequence for Mallory if something bad happens to Astra. Mallory, there is an opportunity here that you can learn something about someone else on the ship. Wonderful. Okay. That's also going to be five
2: raises.
5: Another five. Oh, my God. I don't know if we'll hit that one, boys, but we'll try
2: Anybody else want to help us at this moment? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think there was any way for Diego to throw hero points in there narratively.
5: Oh, that's fine. I think we're going to be all set.
3: Since I gave them both hero points, they can't accept help for more than one person.
2: Oh, okay.
0: You can spend hero points to grant yourself bonus dice. So if you have any hero points that you don't want
5: to use... I've got one hero... Yeah, why not? I want this. I'm doing it. Spend a hero point. That's ten dice for Mallory.
3: <gasps> yeah, we should all have an extra from
5: Angelica.
2: You all have an extra, but I need mine because I only get the two. So yeah, you have two, Emery.
5: Yeah, I'll spend it. Why not? I couldn't possibly need that later.
0: All right. So you get two extra dice for you.
5: All right. 11 for Mallory. All right.
0: Roll those bones.
5: The bones have been rolled. All right.
0: Do your dice math.
1: Okay. And this is why Ambroise is just sitting in a catacomb, sipping tea.
0: And you are none the wiser to any of this. Anyway, how many raises you got?
1: Five
5: raises, one traitor dice. (gasps) That seems about average with 11 dice. Five raises feels like the solid medium you want to get. Natalie, let's see what you got. Four raises, no traitors. No traitors. That's good. So it's nine in total, which means we can solve the problem. We won't learn anything new about any other crew member, I guess.
2: Who knows? Maybe something will happen, so it will feel generous.
1: (laughs) Maybe maybe it'll be revealed (laughs) through that one traitor dice danger point. Well, remember, what happens when she buys that trade of dice from you? She gets a danger.
5: Oh, well, you get a hero point back. Oh, I get a hero point back, but I can't spend it to make it into a raise. No. Can anyone reroll dice? Ah, uh, not with the traits I'm rolling with.
3: Mm. Yeah, it's only if you have a three or higher.
2: In a skill.
3: Yeah.
5: Yeah, my panache ain't great. My notice is one. <laughs> my empathy is just one. <laughs> <laughs> Mallory is not a super empathetic individual.
2: We're so close to getting that other thing.
5: So close.
2: But hey, there's a traitor dice on the board if you want to take that and do whatever you want with it. You know,
0: there (laughs) is a traitor dice on the board. Fuck it, I'll buy it.
5: All yours, I'll take that hero point. Love that.
0: And for clarification, while this risk is going on, between Angelica and Mallory, time is stopped. So Dala... You won't be involved until after the risk is resolved. let's get back into it, shall we?
5: I want Mallory to look Angelica dead in the eye and say, Captain, please call them off. And they're going to pull back their hair. There it is! (laughs) Show them! Show them the money! When Mallory pulls back their bangs this sun-bleached curtain of hair that has always been covering the upper half of their face. It takes a moment to discern exactly what you're looking at once it's revealed. They have two regular eyes, which are wide and a golden brown color, and they are looking at Angelica with just this level of fear you didn't think possible for Mallory in no small part due to the fact that their expression has always been difficult to read. But just beneath their eyes, on either side, are these two crescent slits, each one with its own black iris, and its own glowing pupil, and its own set of rapidly blinking eyelashes. It's another set of eyes, pressed up underneath Mallory's own, seemingly sharing the eye socket, but moving completely independently they're just dark and alien and uh, Zoe, I don't know exactly what they're doing in this particular moment, but they're not under Mallory's control
0: they are blinking rapidly and look a bit avian and Angelica, as you look closer, the pair of eyes that Mallory has are the main set of eyes that this bird had, which are constantly spewing this astral smoke that's where all the smoke in this room is coming from and as you look closer, you do see more sets of eyes. A total of seven on this creature, with one in the center of its forehead,
2: leaking silver blood as though it has been slashed with something. I want to look around and just try and read this blue smoking thread that I'm still clutching.
0: As you clutch this stellar vapor wave, you get a sensation that rocks you to your core. It begins in your fingers, a prickling silver ripple that only grows stronger as it pulses through your arm, into your shoulder, up your neck, and finally explodes at the back of your skull. You know this feeling, and while it is intense, it does not register as pain. With your reed active and your fingers tangled on this thread, you are removing the veil that hides the truth from you. You are seeing Coco for what he truly is in this moment. There is no bird. There is no creature. There is nothing remotely human or natural hanging suspended in the air before you ultraviolet reds pour as mist from a central focal point, outlining a thin, seven-pointed star. Filling the space between these lines are perfectly almond-shaped voids splitting open reality, arranged so the corners point to the center. Between the cosmic smog that spews from them, you see galaxies of blue-black and purple-red, glittering with universes of yellow and white constellations. Five of these have brilliant, massive stars burning at their center. The other two seem to be billowing the sidereal smoke. But you catch a glimpse of that same shine in the pair of eyes beneath Mallory's, And finally, comprehension hits you. These slivers in the world are not seven wounds, nor seven gates, but seven eyes. Astra Kokoretsi, the seventh star, the astral smoke, and the Devi of Knowledge stares down at you, stellar pupils blazing, pinning you beneath his
2: gaze as a butterfly is pinned
0: to a board.
2: In this, like, liminal space of just tiny Angelica in the, like, awash of light of this star of eyes, she will loosen her grip on the thread just so that it notices... I wanna find out what the actual threat is.
0: Well, unfortunately we know that NPCs don't have agency unless someone gives it to them. Mallory, I believe you have a hero point.
5: I do have a hero point. Yeah, use it for whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) Get on in there. What
2: do I do?
0: Angelica, you hear in your head, Afraid, and see with eyes unclouded. All seven eyes flutter open and close all at once. You start to feel like you're falling from a place you once called home. Faster and faster and faster and faster, plummeting through empty space, hurtling through the air, disoriented, confused, and terrified. Your view shifts from first person to third person. The seven-pointed being changes into something more relatable, a form easily recognized by you, Angelica, a human with wings. As they fall, the rushing air tears off chunks of feathers, peels away the flesh, and as it tumbles through the atmosphere, it catches fire. In order to save what little it has left, the being reaches into its own chest, rips out its heart, and tosses it away before it finally lands with grim finality into a sea that swallows it whole. And then, there is nothing. Before the vision of the past completely ends, you watch an event unfold that only just recently happened. Tia, holding all of you in the bilge by your fate threads, she wasn't holding Mallory's fate thread; she was holding Astra's, and she still has it. I let go of their thread. Time continues. The door falls into the lab. Dala breaks it down.
5: Dala runs in and scoops Mallory up. You do scoop Mallory up, and Mallory like actually looks at you, like properly, like in the eyes, looks at you. Dala does get a flash of the extra set of eyes. There is a brief moment where they just freeze like a deer in the headlights.
2: I rush over to Saya. Get me outside of her chambers.
0: Mallory. Because you have the eyes open right now, and because I imagine you're spending the five raises to find out something about someone else on the ship right this very instant. Oh,
5: yeah, sure, sure, yeah, this sounds good, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You
0: watch a pair of wings erupt out of Saya's back.
5: Yes! Oh! <laughs> what?
0: That's my wife! She grabs Angelica by the wrist and vanishes. Oh, I When Saya's wings erupted, the bird collapsed into ashes and there is a small blue thing in its place about the size of a walnut that is faintly flickering like a
5: dying candle. Dala, they are terrified looking up at you. Please don't tell the others.
3: Dala will put Mallory down and fix their hair back over their eyes. I would never.
5: Thank you, Dala.
3: Oh,
0: (sighs) fuck.
5: Mallory jolts from Dala's arms and runs over as soon as they see the bird collapse. There's this moment where their hands, which are just like, already filthy with ink and gunpowder, are just scraping at the ashes until they eventually find the stone. And they grab it and immediately curl around it and are absolutely frantic and feral over this thing. They're holding it to their chest and just whispering, I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. I'm not going anywhere. I've got you. Are you okay? Can you hear me? I'm here. I'm here. I'm
0: here. We transition below. We find Angelica and Saya appearing out of nowhere in front of the bilge. Tia is awake, and one of her hands is up in the air as she plays with a few fate threads she's obtained.
2: So one of the moves in sorte is called pull, where you can pull on someone's thread to get them to come over to you. Hmm. I'd like to just focus it on the threads. Because Tia does not have any herself, but she's holding three of them. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going to spend my last hero point. Give them back, you bitch.
5: That's my captain.
2: I like to rip them out of her fucking hands. And if she tries anything, those manacles are going off and poisoning the shit out of her. She snatches the threads away and we get this perfect portrait of Angelica being held in like a princess carry (laughs) by her angelic wife. (laughs) It's glorious.
0: (laughs) And when Tia looks over at Saya, she holds up the other hand to cover her eyes. And that's all that Tia does. You're
2: goddamn right.
0: She doesn't say anything. She doesn't do anything else.
2: That's it. What do you do with those threads? We silently leave the bilge and I go directly to the lab. Everyone wait outside. Everybody does. You can't close the door. Just kind of
3: awkwardly tries to put it back.
2: So once Angelica gets into the room and sees Mallory kneeling there, she'll slowly descend and just kneel in front of you. Doctor, Captain. She's got the fate threads and a little tangle in her hand And she selects the blue smoking one and holds it out to you. Now,
5: Mallory cannot see it, though, right? Anytime a fate witch holds a thread, you can see them. Oh, okay, cool. You see how frayed it is
0: that it has been snapped and crinkled almost like a ribbon that's been played with too much?
2: If I put my hand on the stone, is there an end to the fate thread there that I could gently take? Yeah. I'll take it. I slowly start to bring the ends together. Can we make a deal? She just tilts her head at you, expectantly.
5: I will follow every command you give me. I will never turn tail like I did at the ball. I will stop talking to Tia. I will never look at that golden apple ever again. Please keep Saya away from him. She snaps the one in her hands back for a moment. And she looks at
2: you, Mallory, the way you've only seen her look when she is planning a hunt. Deadly serious. Oh, shit. This is the last time, Mallory. No more secrets. Promise me.
5: And you and I, Captain, have a lot to talk about.
2: She puts the threads together and runs her finger across them like she's trying to mend a torn hemp rope by twisting the fibers back together. hmm And she just starts to gently massage these two pieces of this creature's fate back into place.
0: So as you're doing that, I'm going to give you a brief image.
2: Yeah, because now she's really right up in their shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Angelica, as you twist the smoking fibers together to repair the creature's torn fate... That feeling of falling never really goes away. It is as though this creature exists on the precipice of a cliff's edge or walks upon thin ice. The world around them is constantly unstable and could shift suddenly, like sand underfoot. But with one steady hand to hold them, they finally have something solid to rely on. And they will do anything to keep it.
2: She pulls her fingers away. And there's a section of the thread that is still crumpled and frayed. Like it was played with a little too much. But it's whole. And she leans forward, Mallory. Brushes your hair back. And gives you a kiss on the forehead. Oh, fuck. We'll talk over dinner. Just you and I. And she stands for that another word, and turns and leaves Mallory in their lab. Angelica,
0: the door opens for you. The only reason it is still standing is because Dalla is holding it there. And when she leaves, Dalla closes the door. Mallory, you hear in your head.
5: I'm sorry. Don't apologize. Not to me. Ever to me.
0: And the camera pans slowly backwards as Mallory cradles the fallen star to their chest, whispering comforts and kindnesses to reassure him. And as though the star smoke is still trapped within the corners of Mallory's copper-lined lab... It wisps across the lens of the camera and then everything goes black. Ooh. Well, friends, I got to tell you that I have never been more terrified and excited for the dinner to come. Terrified? Exified? Is that a word? Oh well. Anyhoozles, bring your appetites next week because dinner promises to be filling. Until then, we'll see you next time, friends. And be safe and well.